Well, good evening, everybody. Uh, looks like there's a few of you out there tonight. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, I'm, Andy and I are going to take it tonight. Uh, John is a little bit under the weather, um, and so he uh, reached out to the two of us and and kind of handed off the baton to us. So uh, we're happy to be here and, and glad that you've joined us. And um, we've got a, a number of things we can talk about relative to Nebraska Cornhusker Athletics. So, hey, Andy, uh, did you watch the game last night, the national championship game? Nah, I didn't really feel like it. What, what else should we talk about? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, of course I did. Um, I, the one thing I was hoping for, I'm pretty sure Lightning couldn't strike a third time because those semifinal games were both fantastic. Like the one that didn't go overtime might have been more exciting than the one that did. And this one, I, I got to give Washington credit. It looked like they were just going to get rolled out of there those first couple of drives. Um, and then the, the it, what was funny was the defense made adjustments, kind of shut them down for a long time. You know, There's actually a stretch where after you know getting drummed right away they they'd outscored them 10-3 over a couple of periods there um or a couple of quarters but yeah in, in the end they just kind of pulled away it wasn't you know unless you're the unless you're a Michigan fan it probably wasn't a super exciting experience but hey it worked for them didn't it <laughs> well a little, little scout little scouting paid off huh yeah a little a little scouting yeah a little, a little, a little scouting, scouting paid off yeah i, I mean in the you know, this is going to come up a lot, but I'm I'm certain right now that if you went to your local bookie and said, "Hey, what kind of odds can I get on that title getting vacated?" That's probably going to go off at about one to eight. Because <laughs> 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 there, you know, I mean, it's just there, there's just so much evidence right out there in the open, and who knows what else they've been digging up behind the scenes. So yeah, they're they're not going to get to keep that. I mean, what was it the what is it uh, Southern Cal basically? had to vacate one of their titles because Reggie Bush wouldn't pay pay an agent back that he when he went with somebody else. So, you know, here here's like a staff and the team. I'm sorry, don't give me this this nonsense about, hey, the players didn't know anything about it. It's like, what, they just thought their coordinators were witches? You know, it's like, God, they just keep making the right guesses. This guy's amazing, you know, until till after Stallions got fired. But, yeah, I mean, it all, it, it's just it's going to happen and in a way for kind of a chaotic season. You know what? A, what a perfect ending! That there's not going to be a title holder for it. What'd you think, Todd? Um, I didn't watch it. <laughs> really? Um, I uh, <laughs> not a bit. I I took a vow, and I took a vow when Florida State didn't get in, and I yeah. said, "This is bullshit. I'm not going to watch any bowl games. I'm not going to watch any of it." And so I didn't. Um, I didn't watch any any bowl games. I didn't watch any of the the playoff. And um, what I did watch is, um, and I think I've got a, I'm, I'm kind of lagging here, but what I did watch was Montana and South Dakota State. Um, so I watched the FCS championship game, which, in my opinion, is how um, how they ought to the how they ought to run the playoffs. But I just was frustrated by the whole damn thing. And so I didn't watch it. Um, and also, you know, that, that isn't to say I didn't pay attention to what's going on. I mean, I didn't crawl into a cave, but um, I really did not want to see Michigan win. Um, you know, 
what 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 bothers me the most about that is that they had an organized structured system of cheating that you know people can say all they want to about stealing signs everybody does it well you know what everybody doesn't do it or at least to the extent maybe that Michigan did and to do that they violated other rules to do it and I'm with you. I think that the NCAA is is going to hopefully come through here and and uh, force them to vacate the championship. Well, big deal. They're still going to fly a banner, you know, uh, wherever they fly their banners at Michigan and still claim that they want it. Um, but I don't know. I'm just disgusted by it all. Harbaugh, you know, again, everybody wants to minimize things. You know, he was suspended for three games at the start of the season for lying to the NCAA. It was more than buying a hamburger for a recruit. It oh. was a bigger deal than that. I, so he's just, he's just a cheater and, and the hell with him, you know, get the hell out of college football, go coach, you know, the San Diego chargers, whoever he's going to end up with and just, just get out of there. And I guess the last thing, you know, Michigan man, you 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 aren't superior to anybody else, and you know uh, you condone that. Um, so I, I got no respect for Michigan man out there. Cool. And here here's where Michigan even takes it to to dirtier lengths. And here's the thing about Harbaugh is there's multiple infractions, you know, smaller ones before this, and each time it's like he can never take the blame. It's either. Uh, no, I didn't know anything about it, or it's all, or it's always somebody else's fault, you know. And I, I would think Michigan man, you know, that kind of talk is, hey, own your mistakes. And he's, some, I, I think he's just, you know, physically incapable of doing it. He's just, there's just something in his his actual wiring <laughs> inside his head. But the thing that Michigan does is they, it wasn't so much that here's the deal: they actually had teams of people going to flying them to these games, putting them up having them record the other sideline. And they found, and the thing is they found them on the stadium cameras and hit like, here's called Connor Stallions. They've got footage of him just sitting there photographing the other sideline. And no, everybody doesn't do that. And the first, the first hint that everybody doesn't do that, because they're trying everything to, to make it look like they're blameless. And yep. the first, the first part of that is no, here's how you know everybody didn't do that because 13 other coaches in the conference went fucking batshit and went to the conference commissioner and you're like, you do something. If everybody's doing that, no one's going to, no one wants to dive in to point the finger at anybody because they don't want it. They don't want somebody shining a light at them. Like say Michigan who the, now the, the bird, the burgers for kids, that was a Michigan social. That was like a social media uh, trail. They started or whatever that trail, but just started putting it out with multiple, you know, Michigan accounts, you know, Michigan grad accounts, that kind of thing, and literally had the country thinking, uh, oh, it's just buying burgers for some kids. That is ridiculous. Well, it wasn't. It was lying to investigators about holding illegal practices and, and illegal recruiting times you shouldn't have been doing either. Guess what? Scott Frost did the thing with the practices. Did you do it? Yeah. Here it was, you know, okay, you can't coach practice for, uh, for a couple of weeks or whatever or something like that. Now, they had a four-game they were ready to make a four-game deal with Harbaugh, which, lying to investigators, that's not a bad deal. That's like their most serious crime. And the only problem was, on an article I read, it stated that the NCA 
yanked that offer because they didn't like that it was about buying kids burgers shit. And so they're like, you know what? Uh, no, we're going to go ahead and hand it out. So, so the three games he served at the beginning of this year were self-imposed, and they said they did it with the understanding they expect the NCAA to put a few more on. I, you know, my guess would be three more next year. Well, now for next year, here they are. They're going to get pretty pissy again because what are they doing? They actually tried to start – they started like a false camp info campaign saying uh, breaking Ohio State's about to be, be uh, jacked up for like raiding people's iCloud accounts or whatever, other, other teams' iCloud accounts. Totally false. Everywhere you see it, hit the guy. It's Michigan alum, Michigan fan. And so they, it's like they're doing it again. <laughs> you know, here, the, here they are just because they hate Ohio State. Because, hey, it may be true Ohio State hired the investigators that found it out. Well, guess what? If you weren't doing anything, then Ohio State just would have wasted money. But so now they're getting, so they get back at them by saying, okay, now they're cheating too, even though there's no odds to that. Nothing like that happened. And anybody who watched the damned Ohio State game, you know, knew they couldn't have possibly cheated because they looked so bad. So, <laughs> so that's well, the thing. They're not just breaking rules, but now, but then they're trying to spread lies to make themselves look better. And one last thing. They can take that us against the world shit and, and shove it right up their, you know, right up their stinking brown eye because you don't get to play the victim and the and the one who's overcoming such adversity if you caused your own adversity. It's like that's your fault. You can't you can't act like you know the world's against you. You got caught cheating. So yeah, yeah. I th- th- there's my little rant, but no, and and I Andy, I agree with you 100 percent And on the flip side of that though. And, and this is not, I I guess I'm just kind of calling it as I see it. Michigan had a hell of a football team. I mean, this year they had a a very, very good football team. Now, JJ McCarthy, not the greatest team of all time. Like he uh, put out there on, on social media, but there's no question. They were the best team in the country uh, this season. I mean, they, they certainly were. And, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I, I was always, I always cheered for Michigan. You know, they were a team I always cheered for, um, you know, unless they were playing Nebraska and I don't know, it's just frustrating to me. And, and uh, we're just going to leave it there. They're the national champions today yeah. and uh, they'll, they'll probably be the national champions tomorrow, but I I'm with you, Andy. I, I got to believe that, um, you know, something's something will end up in the end and, and uh, you know, they'll have at least an asterisk, if not their name uh, removed from, yeah. from that list. Let's, let's stick with football a little bit more. And we've got some, some pretty good questions here that we'll get to in just a minute, but um, you know, to, to bring people up to speed a little bit since I was last on, at least uh, Nebraska did pick up a couple of more players in the portal um, that it, it sounds like we're really high priorities for the coaching staff. And, you know, way back at the end of the season, you know, some of us were pontificating, you know, if you go into the portal, who do they need to bring in? You know, and obviously all the conversation back then was quarterback. And we all know what happened with uh, Dylan Rayola flipping and coming in. And so then we don't have a portal quarterback. But who we did bring in are a couple of skill position guys that it seems people are pretty high on. Uh, Dante Dowdell is a running back that uh, played last year as a fr- or this past year as a freshman at Oregon. Uh, I think he's a native of, of Mississippi. Uh, yes. People kind of compare him to a Gabe Irvin type of a runner, uh, a bigger guy. 
uh, runs north and south that, uh, you know, hopefully Gabe Irvin, you know, does come back. But my goodness, that guy's been beat up. Um, and then the other player of note that's come in was Isaiah. Uh, I don't know if I pronounce it right, but Isaiah Nayor, uh, a wide receiver from Texas. Uh, that sounds was, right. Yeah, he also was at Wyoming, um, you know, and, and a guy who uh, is one of those guys that uh, is pretty dangerous with yards after catch. So, um, you know, kind of solidifying those two position groups, um, I, I was really pleased to see that they picked up a, another wide receiver, and apparently they're still looking at this real tall kid from Vanderbilt. Wake Forest. Wake Forest, Vanderbilt? Okay, yeah, Wake, Wake Forest. Yeah, and Wake Forest, you're correct. They're both black and gold. Um, but, <laughs> but I think that those are key because while there's a lot of talent in that wide receiver room, there's there's a lot of youth and and um, you know so hopefully these guys can come in and and you know some of those younger guys will come along and and solidify that so a couple of big new names I I just wonder <laughs> yeah uh, spring practice there's going to be a lot of guys at spring practice and it's going to be really really interesting there's, uh, there's going to be some forced portal entries after spring I think you're right. I think you're right. And, he, and I think he can still do that under the 18 month rule where uh, like what, if they just want to be, if they can keep the scholarship and go to school and get taken off the list or they can, you know, transfer and, and play with another team. I, I think there's always a guy, a couple of guys that just quietly hang it up each year when they're told, you know, Hey dude, you're a fifth year senior. You're not going to crack the top three or four. And it, they're just like, well, I don't want to travel, finish school. Now, is it Dowdell or is it Dowdle? I, I, yeah, I don't know. I haven't heard anybody well, pronounce it. Well, a couple interesting things on him. Did you see they they did the like commitment photo? He did that with Dylan Rayola, like sitting down, and he's and he's flying through the air over the top of him. Looks like he's about six or seven feet off the ground. And I read a little article about that, and they said one that wasn't any special effects. He just flat can jump. And two, he did it in one take. Like they got that in one shot and they, oh, and, and they were done. And the other thing is he actually played against uh, Malcolm Hartzog down in Mississippi. So they said so they played each other, I think, like uh, one time. And he go, how'd you do it? He goes, I think I scored four touchdowns and he scored five. Said he said, because he was a running back too. And just said, yeah, he was running all over the place and nobody could catch him. So he, he, said he, has, he remembers Hartzog pretty well. Um and then now I'm taking a wear approach with Nyor because sounds like he he's either coming off one or two uh, blown knees, kind of you know, maybe okay. the Fadone situation. So he I don't think he he barely played at Texas because I think it's, he's been hurt to for two years. So again, Fadone, and so you know that that's just one of those things. I'm going well if he's back to full speed and could and could you know not have any rust and and is ready to go because, oh, man, with those ACLs, you can play again in a year, but it, it's like you're not up to full speed till the second year, it, it feels like, in a lot of situations, which is why I'm really excited for Fedone next year. Yeah, I'd really like to get the guy from Wake Forest because, you know, he he's, sounds like a plug-and-play. Um, and, and if something good happens with Nyor, you know, then – that that can just be a Christmas gift because I, I that's a that's a long time to be out. 
you know, um, I, I'm going to just take a real quick time out here, folks. I, you know, without John here, and for those of you that came in after the opener, John is uh, under the weather. Uh, he's he's not doing real good right now, and and so he reached out to us and asked us to uh, take take this one on tonight. So that's why he's not here. And without him here and my lack of technical know-how, <laughs> at least on my end, things seem to be kind of coming and going a little bit. So if you somebody could throw in the comment, if if I'm choppy or if I'm lagging, let me know. Or if Andy's choppy and he's lagging, just let us know real quick. Um, I don't know how to fix it, but uh, at least it seems to be kind of on and off on my end. Um, you know, let's uh, let's head. We've talked a bit about football. Let's head to a, a few of the questions right now. Uh, Linda, it's good to see you back. Uh, you know, you bring up something that um, I've been wondering about a little bit as well. And we'll kind of start with this. Linda Wilkins says, first, I have a concern that the amount of Kool-Aid flowing uh, now over Dylan Raiola, Raiola, excuse me, Raiola, is like when Scott Frost came to Nebraska. We thought it was the coming of the second Messiah. Um, I've expressed that concern as well, uh, Linda. Uh, you know, he is a he's a five-star quarterback. And you know, he's at one point he was the top ranked player in the country. Uh, you know, there's a lot of accolades coming in about this kid. Um, I am not a scout. I am not one of these people that, you know, uh, can look at a kid who's 18 years old and forecast his future. I have been very, very concerned. And, and in a previous show, I was talking about how I was disappointed Chubba Purdy left. Understand why. I get it. Um, but it sure would be nice to have someone with some more experience in that quarterback room that, you know, can, can lend, um, lend, I guess, can, can right the ship if need be. Dylan Rayola is in all likelihood going to be the starter on day one. I mean, in all likelihood, that first game, he's taking the first snap. And, and going forward. But if he falters a bit or if he's injured, the next guy up is another freshman. And that next guy uh, up is Har Harburg. Harburg. Harburg will be in okay. there. Kalen probably needs a couple of years. Har Harburg. So, and, and I, yeah, and I don't, I don't, I, I was, I won't disagree with that, but it, it does concern me about that. Um, and so I would like to see a little bit more experience there myself but yeah he's got the weight of the world on his shoulder well here's one thing i'm gonna jump in here because it looks like todd froze up there for a sec uh, i will say this about dylan rayola uh before making any decisions if you've got you know if you've got the rivals or the on three subscription go in there and watch some of his tape uh he's the he's the real deal this isn't a, a you know you never I, I guess you say you never truly know with a freshman but um, I'd put, I'd push in on him. He, he does not. And the thing is, it's not just the arm strength, the accuracy, the creativity and all that is this guy's got from everything I read, uh, just has a football IQ that's off the charts. So like his, his little brother Dayton, who we've offered says he wants him to be tested to see if he's got, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, the, the photographic memory. He, th he oh, thinks sure. his brother has a photographic memory. And so yeah. it, there's the head to go with the talent. Um, and then you look at this, he grew up, you know, around a guy who, you know, whose name is on the stadium at Nebraska and who played like what, 12, 13 years with the lions. 
Uh, Matt Stafford is known as Uncle Matt to the family. So this is a kid who understands 100% what he's getting into. I think a lot of times with freshmen is they, you know, they're, they're ready to conquer the world while everybody's recruiting them and, you know, and kissing their ass. And then they hit campus with some grown ass men and, you know, get a little reality check and need some time to kind of blend into that world. And where I think rail is ready to go. I mean, he, he did a workout that I guess uh, like he had a connection to Pat Mahomes. I guess he'd been introduced to him at some point. He bugged around till till somebody gave him the name. I think this is his junior year. Gave him the name to Mahomes of Mahomes trainer, and wanted to know what's Pat. I hear understand Pat Mahomes like like has a six a.m. daily workout. Give it to me and and just like hounded the guy and then got it and started doing that workout. Um, people are worried about the four high schools in four years. Um, I will tell you this: when he went to Buford to be closer to Georgia, that was a step. That was a big step up in competition, and he had something like. 26 TDs and one pick. And so, so he kind of answered that bell. Um, I, I, I believe this until it's usually, Hey, show me this time. I'm like, I think this is the real deal. I, I like what I read about him. The Buford coaching staff would meet at like 8am on Sundays to go over their offensive and defensive planning for that, that next weekend's game. And they said he was showing up uh, sitting in with like the offensive coaches going over all that with them every Sunday. And they never had a player do that and said he just kind of goes like when you get i want to be in on the planning when you do it and they're like 8 a.m you know it, like sunday morning you may not want to do that nope be there and so he, he he does he says the right things you know so like i said some people the four high school thing the 2d commitments well reading everything the the 2d commitments were about he always kind of wanted to be at nebraska and actually i was you know i was a little stunned he did pick georgia i thought nebraska was about a done deal at that time so i wasn't I mean, I was happily surprised, but I wasn't shocked that at the end he wanted to come here because that sounded like what he what he really wanted to do. So while there's some of that on the outside, it, you watch him. He never like says or does the wrong thing, um, you know, outside of decommitments. And it, I, I just think he's got a, like a maturity level beyond his years. If you listen to him talk, like it, one of the first things he said was, "I, I want to start getting to know the offensive linemen." Because I feel like they've they've gotten some crap when things didn't go right the last couple of years, and I wanted I'm just gonna, I want everybody to know these guys are rock stars, and everybody should treat them that way. So he wasn't even talking about you know what he wanted to do. He's like I want to start getting re- you know more respect for the offensive linemen. Um, and one last quick thing about four different high schools, you know who did that also was Taylor Martinez. He got bounced around to four different schools, and I think somebody from Coronation got to interview him like after his senior year of football ended. And asked him, you know, hey, you and uh, Bo used to go at it a little. Did were you ever thinking of transferring? And he was like, God, hell no! It, 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 you know, it was the first time he'd made friends since like middle school. You know, he's dating John Cook's daughter for a while there, and he said, No, you couldn't have dragged me out of Lincoln. I love the place. So I think you might be looking at something like that with Dylan, where it's like it's, he's finally going to put down roots and. Guess who the guess who the Nebraska loving kid in the family was even more than him? Like like Dominic in an article said, yeah, he goes, it's Dayton that had that's had the Nebraska stuff just hanging in his room since he was like five years old. So I mean, you know, 2031, it might the it might become Rayola Field <laughs> at Memorial Stadium. Who, who knows? But yeah, I, I I'm I'm fired up for the kid. I don't I don't think he's smoking mirrors. 
Well, I, and, you know, hopefully he's not. And, you know, I, I do appreciate, though, you know, Linda's perspective here a little bit. And, you know, then she followed up. Rayola has the weight of the state on his shoulders. And if he does not meet the expectations, they'll run him out of the state like Frost. Linda, I, I don't know that it would come to that. To be quite honest with you, if Dylan Rayola doesn't meet the expectations, he will be benched. And then he and his, his family, well, they'll make a decision as to whether or not he stays. Um, you know, it's, it's a little bit different than being, than, than it's uh, Scott Frost under, you know, cause Scott Frost was under a contract for a certain number of years here. Um, and, you know, so uh, did, you know, did the state turn on Scott Frost? I think a lot of fans did. And, you know, I'm kind of scrolling through the comments. I know a lot of you have <laughs> for, weighed for in the on third, For the third time they turned on him. Yeah, yeah. They turned on him three different times. You know? Exactly. And he went to Stanford. But, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, you know, I know that everybody was, everybody thought Scott Frost was going to do it. Well, you know, I've done this before. And just so I can pat myself on the back and feel good about myself before I go to bed tonight, I was not one who wanted to hire Scott Frost. I was not that guy who stood up and I'm said, guilty. Scott it was, I was not in that camp. But nonetheless, um, Linda, I, I, I do appreciate where you're coming from with that. And I think it's, uh, I think, I think there is some legitimate concerns with that, but Andy, you know, pays a lot of attention to that. And there's a lot of people, a lot of people that yeah. say Dylan Ryola is going to come in and, and just be fine. I'll tell you this, the kid has an impact because, you know, he came up on his, came up last week while they were bringing some of these, uh, these five guys in to take a look at campus. He showed up at basketball games. He showed up at, yep. at wrestling meets. We'll talk a little bit about that here in a bit. But, uh, you know, he's he's a one-man recruiting service, I think. Um, yes. Anyway, let's uh, let's throw this one up from David Matney, uh, just kind of on that subject of football. When we're good again, can we please run up the score on Michigan and Colorado? Uh, we need to throw sportsmanship out the window. Yes. Uh, I, I don't want to throw sportsmanship out of the window, but I would like to yes. see us whoop them. Uh, there would be nothing better than to, rain, to whoop both of those teams. Rain late rain late touchdowns, well, especially especially Colorado. I mean, that's a hate that goes back decades. I'm I'm not like you where I cheered for Michigan. I you know I never cared for them because where Ohio State kind of has that we're gonna, you know, guys in jorts are gonna key your car when they see the out of out of town plates. Michigan's just kind of always had that just ungodly arrogance about them. You know, like what when all like when all the cheating goes down, you know, all of a sudden it feels like everybody who ever walked on the campus had a law degree. All of a sudden, um, no, I, I'd be all for running the score up, and I say, you know, yeah, run the score up, and oh, you know, uh, just you know, keep the clock running. Let the clock run a little. Don't go and hurry yeah. up. But you know, no, we weren't rushing. We can't. We can't put these kids in and just and just take knees. Come on, guys. But. <laughs> I, I always, whenever I hear the running up story, it's like, this was, I think this might've been the year we beat Florida. And you know, as, as I've made the mistake wearing Georgia hats on here a couple of times, you know, my dad, and my uncle went there and I called my uncle up before I left for, for uh, Arizona for that bowl game. And that year, I think, I think it was like Florida was leading Georgia 45 to seven late because Spurrier just had like, he didn't even try to hide how much he hate Georgia because they, they whooped on his ass his senior year when he won the Heisman. I think Bill Stanfield sacked him like five, six times. But uh, 
he he ran a damn flea flicker with like 35 seconds left and so they won 52 7 and they asked well, him i can't tell it. if he it's goes, just me or if if andy's gone now so are you no. still there Andy? I, yeah i see me but uh he um he, they went 52 to seven and a reporter asked him why he'd do that. And he said, cause I just want to know what it felt like to hang 50 on Georgia. <laughs> and I, that's what I'd love yeah. to do to Dion and company. Well, and uh, Otis Modus, uh, I think this is the first time you've joined us, Otis. Otis says college football has been an oxymoron for years now. I agree with <laughs> that. Uh, you know, student athlete, uh, I'm not sure well, that those, uh, you know, um, uh, it's, it's changed so much. It's a different world. And, um, like, not college football, but uh, amateur football. But you know, I, I say pay pay them as much as anybody's willing to pay them. You know, the the schools in the NCAA have all had chances to have, take control of this for years, and instead they they chose the scorched earth path. And I'll tell you this: yep. you know, some some people are just going to always be furious that kids playing college football make more that they should be grateful for the scholarship. But you look how many billions of dollars it brings in, and it's like for me, I'm like, that's fine. Don't pay the players, but then the coaches can only make seventy five grand, and they have to coach a class. No TV deals, no TV money, and five bucks to get in. Then great. Then we're all on the same page. But I just find it absurd that hey, that that, that guy that guy making a scholarship, you know, how, how, he shouldn't be allowed to make any more money. It's like, and the coach makes ten million a year, and the school may, yep. just makes millions and billions, and and they, and to say that they don't get a, you know, and they're even now with the NIL, they're like, oh my God, some kids are making a million dollars. I'm like, those kids probably need, deserve to make about ten million. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, and and because right now it's not even costing the school anything. <laughs> right. Um, gonna throw this one up here from Fred. Fred Sacco throws out. <laughs> so right. did Duncan Aviation fly Dana Holgerson to an apartment in Lincoln? <laughs> Per Cox Cable installer saying he saw a Heisman Trophy on the table. Now, Fred, I don't know squat about Duncan Aviation. I don't know anything <laughs> about a Cops, Cox Cable installer. And I haven't seen a Heisman Trophy just sitting around on somebody's table. But what I do understand is that Dana Holgerson was at the Devaney Center on Saturday afternoon. Wrestling. He was at the wrestling meet, and it came out shortly after that that there, Matt Rule's having some conversations about possibly bringing Dana Holgerson onto the staff. Now, for those of you that might not be familiar, Dana Holgerson was uh, his most recent coaching position was the head coach for the Houston Cougars. Before that, he was a head coach at West Virginia. Um, he had winning records in both places. Um, but he kind of he, he was an offensive coordinator for a few years and quarterback coach prior to that. And he's kind of from that Mike Leach tree a little bit. Um, he's had some experience at Texas Tech when Mike Leach was there. Nonetheless, you know, if, if he's here and based upon what has being, you know, hypothetical is that maybe Dana Holgerson will become a, a quarterback coach and fill some other kinds of roles with the team. Um, what do you think, What do you think, Andy, uh, uh, with, if, if Dana Holgerson were to join this staff? Is that a pro, is that a con, or is that just a break-even? For, for me, it's a, it's a high pro. His, his teams you know, were known for 
like 49, 47 type games. Uh, he, his teams put points up. And like you said, he, he's got a history of being a quarterback coach. Um, I don't think like rule makes him a co-offensive coordinator. I, maybe that's a little bit of a slap after telling everybody, um, that, uh, Satterfield, you know, he's going to retain him or maybe he had that talk with Satterfield. Um, who, who knows if he's just coming in as a quarterback's coach all for, I'm sure he's going to be something slash court. If not just quarterback coach, it'll be something slash quarterback coach. And I just absolutely love the idea of having him in. Uh, where he gets to spend a lot of time grooming Rayola, grooming Danny Kalen, and actually giving you know, Heinrich Harburg probably the most attention he'd had, you know, until like say last spring, where hey, we got this quarterback on staff that nobody's ever actually trained as a quarterback yet. It sounded like they sound like Whipple wouldn't give him the time of day, but yeah, I, I, if I, I'm fired up one way or another. I, I, he's a hell of an offensive mind, and if you got a guy like that that these young quarterbacks can work with right away as opposed to no, nobody answer me this. Why, when you have a pos- about the same amount of guys at the position, maybe a couple more, why do you have a dedicated tight ends coach before you have a dedicated quarterbacks coach? That one was the a only, head scratcher. The only reason I could, the only reason I can see that is if your coordinator is a quarterback coach. I mean, if your coordinator right. is, if your offensive coordinator has come through the ranks as a quarterback coach, uh-huh. th- then I wouldn't have a problem with the coordinator coaching quarterbacks. Uh, that feels like a lot, not enough time in the day there. And, and, and perhaps, but I mean, you know, you, you were saying, why would you pick yeah, one I, or the other? That would be the circumstance that I would see having a tight end coach. Otherwise I don't understand having a tight end coach either. Yeah. either um, give him like, give them just put them in the, the, make it, you know, the receivers coach. Or if you really want somebody to focus focus with them a little more, then have the offensive coordinator maybe do that in his spare time. But I'd yeah, I'd put them all in the receiver room, and then by God, get a quarterback coach. Andy, <laughs> that, here's I mean, did we ever need us? Did we ever need a dedicated quarterback coach more in, in like like the modern Nebraska football history than last year? Those Probably guys not. coaching. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Holy God. Andy, here's another one. Um, I, you know, the, uh, Vince Watson asked this question, and I, I think it's a, a good one here. Um, Vince Watson says, "Is the Riola family moving to Nebraska or staying in Georgia to develop little bro?" Well, I think the Riola family certainly is in a financial position, and with whatever Dominic does with his life, I think they're pretty mobile. Um, I've not heard anything about them relocating to Lincoln or to Nebraska at all. Yeah. At this I point. haven't either. And they've got Donovan here too. Yeah. And, 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 so, and maybe, and maybe, you know, it, maybe it wouldn't be the best look if Dominic was kind of looming over everything in Lincoln, you know, it, and he's from what I can tell, he, he's a good guy and a good dad. And that, that wouldn't be, you know, that wouldn't be the issue, but it'd, it'd be kind of strange if they just moved there to watch him play college football. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, it's, uh, I'm assuming is Dayton probably at Buford? Did he move out there with him, or is he back in Arizona? I don't know the answer to that. I don't know. I don't know either. I haven't heard. Um, we'll throw this one up here from Seth Floyd, uh, a $5 post uh, <laughs> for us here. Go blue. That's all. Well, Seth, we'll take your five bucks. Thank you very much. And, hey, uh, you, you know, hey, you had the best team in the Yeah, you got a title for a while. Yeah, probably not. Probably if you're a Michigan fan, that would be uh, the best uh, 
pod, this podcast wasn't the best one to kick it off with. Um, what do we have here? Joel, Joel, Joel Tilson says, did Frost get hired by another? He has not nope. that I've heard. I've, I've not heard anything about that. Um, uh, he, I'm wondering if he might kind of be doing the bow thing and just trying to collect as much Nebraska money as he can. Did he? Did they? Did they lump some pay him off though? I thought he got paid off in a lump sum. I I didn't think, I didn't think he was doing the bow like three year plan or whatever. Because Bo, Bo went and coached for like 150 grand at Youngstown for three years, and and they had to pay the difference between that 150 grand and the three million a year for like the next three years or whatever Bo was owed. So that and then and then the minute those three years were up, then he took you know took like the LSU job or whatever. But yeah, Bo Bo was very definitely sending a message there. I'm going to get another job and take your money. How do you like that? <laughs> Roger Moore throws out here, and I think we all agree with this as well. Roger Moore says, "Hope fans acknowledge the O line is the key to Riola's Riola. I got to get that right. Riola, Riola. is the key to his, his success. Yes, absolutely. Hey, and the family's invested. <laughs> you got the family fully invested there, don't you? Well, sure you do. Yeah, you know, <laughs> very true. Uncle Donovan better make sure that uh, Dylan is well protected out there. I, uh, I tell you what, I'm I was very happy with Donovan's like you know first like full calendar year with the team. I I thought that the pass protection got was like awful at the start, but it got better as the year went on. And some of those games late, I mean, they were rolling guys. It wasn't every play, but. There were multiple times where I'm going, I feel like I'm watching 95 because the whole line is just knocking people on their ass like eight, nine yards downfield. It just started to show in flashes. In flashes, we've still got a ways to go. But like I said, and I said it coming into this last year, and I'll say it, they'll probably really be beating this drum next year. We will have old, we will have men on the offensive line who have played together, who are, who have experience. And you know, you can't beat that. Um, so I'm I'm optimistic about the offensive line. Um, hopefully they can stay healthy and, and make a difference. I, I, I really do. Um, and everybody stuck around, too. Like, I think everybody that could have gone stayed. Yeah. I, I, have a, I have a feeling Corcoran's going to be started coming back for like a year on the bench because I think Teddy up. When they finally got Teddy in there and he got hurt, Teddy – seemed to be playing much better than yeah. Corcoran was. But from what I understand, he probably needed like that half a season, just that much more time to strengthen, strengthen like those injuries back up. Well, let's talk for a minute about one of the big boys, but on the other side of the line. Um, polar Bear. Roger Moore says, Polar Bear, a wrestler, who knew? Well, I knew. I knew. <laughs> I knew. <laughs> Nash... Nash Hutmacher, Nash Hutmacher was a four-time South Dakota state champion. He was undefeated. an undefeated state champion. He finished his career with 73 straight pins. He actually, and this is one thing I didn't know until just recently, he actually started wrestling varsity. I love that. Was, yeah, that's a great one. <laughs> but the polar bear started wrestling varsity when he was a 220 pound seventh grader. Now Jeez. in South Dakota in the sport of wrestling, seventh yeah. and eighth graders are eligible to wrestle at the high school level. And apparently the head coach went to Nash's parents and said, oh your kid's good, real good. I think he could help us. And so at 220 pounds, he went out 
and apparently uh, started his high school career. Now, um, just just so you're aware, um, he um, he made his debut Saturday against Wyoming. Kitty wrestled was two and four, not the best, right. but nonetheless a college wrestler. Nash Hutmacher in the football roster was listed at 330 pounds. I'm going to guess at the end of the season he wasn't weighing. 330 pounds. I would they, guess he was a little. They said he lost 40. Okay. They said he dropped 40 pounds to get down to the maximum weight of 285 pounds. Now, that seems like a lot, and it is. But just to put something in perspective here a little bit, um, my niece married a, a young man a few years ago who was the starting center for three years at Kansas State. And, you know, he his target weight, back then was 320 had a hell of a time getting there in fact he said never i don't think he ever did really get there but he talked to me because i asked him because when i saw him you know probably nine months after the end of the season um he was he was not 300 pounds i mean he he had lost quite a bit of weight and what he said was i dropped a lot of weight really fast when i could go back and eat normal just to eat you know three normal meals a day Right. Folks, these linemen, offensive linemen and the interior defensive linemen, they're pushing these guys to consume 9,000 calories in that ballpark a day. That's a lot. And, you know, simply trimming back on that is going to have an impact. Nonetheless, a couple of things and then we'll let we'll get in on this. But um, I was at the wrestling meet on Saturday. Nash Hutmacher looked incredible. At 285 pounds, there was no gut on that guy. He looked massive. <laughs> he looked, he was big. He looked massive. You know, and you've heard, those of you that have been on the show a few times, you've heard John talk about Gable Stevenson, who, mm -hmm. you know, an incredible heavyweight from Minnesota, Olympic champion as a young man. Um, this Nash Hutmacher looked an awful doggone lot like Gable Stevenson with his physique. And so I certainly could see, you know, maybe the cut, maybe the, one of the reasons why rule went along with this, because Mark Manning reached out to rule and asked if he could approach Nash about wrestling, you know, maybe they are going to trim him down and he's more of an Aaron Donald kind of a, uh, of a, of a tackle. Um, so I don't think if anybody's worried about him taking that weight off, I don't think you need to worry about that. One other thing I want to say, and then I'll let you jump in here, Andy, is yeah. one of the first comments we had came from Mike Corgan. Who will Hut Hutmacher wrestle versus Iowa? Looks like Iowa has several listed at 285. The heavyweight that's been wrestling for Iowa so far this year is Bradley Hill. Bradley Hill is an average Division I uh, heavyweight. They should have had Tony Cassiope, who is a three- or four-time All-American. But Tony Cassiope was one of those kids from Iowa that got dinged in that whole gambling stuff, you know, oh, when DCI and Iowa went after those uh, athletes from Iowa and Iowa State. So sure. Cassiope's out. Bradley Hill, I think Nash Hutmacher could beat Bradley Hill. But here's the kicker. Iowa also has a guy on their roster listed at 285 pounds named Ben Coiter, K-E-U-T-E-R. He is 
a redshirt freshman who also is a linebacker on the football team, who is in the room working out now that football season's over. But he's wrestled on world-level age group teams. He is an incredible wrestler. So I don't know who Nash Hutmacher may, may wrestle against Iowa. But here's what I do think. I think that the Iowa duel against Nebraska could come down to the heavyweight uh-huh. match. And in Devaney, do you think it would be insane if it comes down to the heavyweight match and the polar bear strolls out there on the mat? Holy <laughs> moly. No that pressure. would be bonkers. Oh. I'm your life, kid. Yeah. Um, what that, what's that? Uh, Iowa lost a good player to that gambling. You know, what, what they always say on Seinfeld? Yeah, that's a shame. Anyway, <laughs> so I did uh, I, I did read an article where they interviewed Huttmacher and talked a lot about it. He said he talked about losing the weight, and it mirrors what you said. He said basically just uh, yeah, eating normally. He said the first 20 pounds came off like nothing, just not, not having to cram that many calories in the body daily. Um, and he said he's actually planning to probably come back tw- come back next year like 20 pounds lighter than he played last year and be more agile. And I can't I can't help it, you know. I I I drink the roulade or whatever flavor we got each year, and I just have visions of like a, an Indomitian Sioux type guy out there because saw him dancing around a little. I mean, he it's like he was massive. He looked mobile as hell running around after the match. He and you know that and he looked quicker than that guy. And you know he was walking him backwards the entire time before he did yeah. that little leg sweep and took him down. And then he's just bouncing around like, you know, a gymnast or something after. And I'm just like, okay. You know, it's like I could actually see him at 285. Yeah, he, I think he's talking like coming down from like 325 or 30 to like three, 310 or something, 305. Yeah. But, man, at, take that weight off. He appears to be just as freaking strong. Even looks a little scarier, oh. I think. And then yeah. that speed in there and just, you know, he, mama, he, get out of the way. I was blown away by how athletic he was. Right. How he is, you know, and you don't get to see that on a football field necessarily. Like or, you do on a wrestling guard. Yeah, out of a nose guard. No. Exactly. And just in- I, I was really, really impressed with that. And yeah. I can see why he was a four-time state champion. I mean, the kid knows how to wrestle. And oh, yeah. Well, very, what, very, very, very. Somebody active. go after that match. They said, oh, 167 and 0. you betcha here's you know we're kind of on uh we're well we're not quite winding down yet but here's one that uh i i started that i wanted to come back to and i think this is worth talking about here for a little bit because we we are volleyball fans at at uh, coordination and we certainly have um some outstanding uh individuals on the staff who cover the sport of volleyball Uh, uh you know andy's daughter is is one and and uh um, we, we've just got some great people that cover the sport. So we really enjoy it. And Linda says, uh, Allie Batenhorst entered the portal. Was she pushed out to make room for land fair transferring from Minnesota after stepping in for Krause and taking them to the finals? Um, there's a lot, there's a lot in that question, um, Linda, but I, I think the simple answer is yes. yes. Um, I, I, I think I, that, go ahead. I, what I wondered, what I really wondered is once they got the commitment from Landfair, whether they might consider moving Baton Horse to a middle. Now, I don't, I'm not that's a volleyball fair. guy. <laughs> that, that's where you got Beeson, and I think they've, and I think she's got a, 
solid backup too. And well, no, I'm talking middle blocker because oh, okay, of, gotcha. Because of, uh, Maggie um, Mendelson. Well, she, did, she, hard, she didn't hardly play though. Not much, but it would be depth at that position. That's all I wondered. True. But Land Fair was uh, Big Ten Player of the Year in 2022. Yeah. Um, well, here's here's the thing, and this happens a lot when you hear about hey, so and so was traded. Uh, as people start thinking it's like you know high high school football <laughs> or something again, where we we're, we're going to play little Jimmy because he loves the game so much. It, you didn't get it out of Kalen, but you got it out of some Kalen fans. Like, why would we go after Dylan Rayola? I'd rather have Kalen and all this. And it's like, well, guys, here's the thing. Like, in that case, he wasn't hurt at all. He still has a scholarship. He still has his NIL. You know, just competition just ramped up in a big way. And it's like, look, as much as we like to think, you know, hey, this homegrown team and all that, John Cook's job and Matt Rule's job is to go get the best players they can. And I'm sorry, it's you've chosen to play – uh, the two probably, you know, two of the three highest profile sports at the school, um, they're going to go get the best player. It's not going to be about, well, we're going to keep her, we're going to keep her around because she's been here three years. It's like, no, you, we've got the big, we've got the big 10 player of the year. And, you know, does it, does that kind of stink for Allie? Yeah. But you know, she's going to find another school. It's, it's not going to be anything she's going to really enjoy for sure. But when you choose to go try and play for the best, and obviously this is, more volleyball right now than football. But when you go to play for that program, you go there knowing that the best competition of just about anywhere is going to be waiting for you. And you may start one year and they may bring somebody in better and that you're not going to start anymore. It's going to happen. That's, it's not just going to be the same group of the same group of girls that come in as freshmen are not all there as seniors. And like Lexi, you know, somebody talked about Lexi's son. It's like, yeah, she, by the time she transferred, she wasn't starting anymore, you know, after being all conference and whatnot. So, yeah, that that's kind of the underneath, hey, we all love our volleyball team and look at them. They're having so much fun. They're p- playing at the highest competition level sport at the school right now. And John Cook is going to go find the best recruits he can every year. If, a, you know, as much as we don't like Texas winning, like with their all portal team, if he can get somebody to get out of the portal, he is going to do it. He's going to try and put the best team he can on the floor every year. And that means you're going to say you're, you are every year. You're going to say bye to probably two or three, two or three, you you know, gals on that team. You really like, you like you had Joe Jurevicious daughter there. What a great story. He was really good friends with rule and they played together at Penn state and the athletic did a real nice article on her and kind of between the lines. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, she's saying the right things, but reading between the lines, I get the feeling she's not thrilled at all about not playing this year. And I guess she really hated not getting put in the Memorial Stadium game. But yeah, you're you're just gonna you're gonna be losing players from that team every year because they're gonna go find better players before these before these gals have exhausted their uh, their eligibility. Um, Linda Wilkins yeah, does follow right. up with this, and I would agree with that too. I really hope she does not end up playing with the Texas Longhorns. Um, they got to be is, about full now. I, think. I would, I would think so. But um, you know, Penn here, State, here where is, they seem to be drifting. All the all of the Nebraska girls that have left have landed with solid. Um, oh yeah, with solid programs, and and they're gonna. I mean. Two two girls are with Penn State, Juravicious and uh, I think Maddie Kubik. Yep. And um, 
or wait, who went to one of them went to Tennessee? That might have been Cubic. Oh, okay, maybe that's what I was thinking of. Um, Mendelssohn, Mendelssohn, and Juris Vicious are at Penn State. Okay, and Maddie Kubik went to Tennessee, and then Whitney Lowenstein, who was not part of the team this year, she is down at Texas. So, um, yeah, well, you know, well, I was wondering too, is Mendelssohn still going to try to do the two sports things because she really wasn't playing much in either sport, and I'm just no. like. Those two sports are overlap a great deal, and it's like so. What you you know? It's, are you actually just trying to run from one practice to another, or are you focused on one and practicing with one team, but just go play the games with the other? And yeah, I, I don't. I just don't know how that works. She's just, she's going to focus on volleyball. She said that you know she, the the first press release that came out when she announced that she was going into the portal, she said she wanted to focus on volleyball. Okay, because so, the scholarship was with basketball. Scholarship was with basketball. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, a couple other uh, wrestling things have popped up, and gosh, you know, I'm a wrestling guy, so I'm going to throw them up here. Uh, Joel Tilson says, wasn't Chris Taylor unbeaten and went to the Olympics? He was he was uh, unbeaten in college. Um, Wasn't he but, like 405 pounds or something Yeah, like, to the right guy? He was incredible, and that was before they put a limit on heavyweight. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah I was a back. kid. <laughs> I was a kid, and um, when he was wrestling at Iowa State, I got to see him a few times. I got his autograph two or three times. Um, he was just he was something else. He ended up getting a bronze medal at the Olympics, and there's the an infamous picture of of uh, an Iranian who was about half the size of him doing a souffle, taking him straight over back that uh, was made into a poster. So, you know, there is a little bit of of infamy with Chris Taylor. And then somewhere in here, Fred had asked, uh, Fred Sacco asked, uh, wrestling-wise, I'm not sure who was the heavyweight for Nebraska prior to Nash jumping in. Um, Well, his name is Harley Andrews. And Harley Andrews is a redshirt freshman. He came from Oklahoma. Kid is a very good wrestler. He is a very good heavyweight. But he weighs 210, 215 pounds. Um, what's, he, the, what's the next weight down from 280? 197, but that's where Silas Allred is. Uh-huh. So, And maybe I'm a little light. He might be 220. but um, That's he, given up a lot. <laughs> it's given a lot of weight. And But Harley Andrews, he ended up wrestling the match against uh, UNI, the second match of the day on Saturday. Um, but anyway, um, yeah. Uh, uh, there's, uh, uh, I'll just kind of, we're kind of getting close. We've got a few other comments we'll throw up here. Fred says, Chris Taylor outdrank Andre the Giant in Omaha, 135 beers in one hour to Andre's 129 or so. Yeah, I've heard those stories. I've heard Andre's stories. Jesus. uh, Yeah, I I can tell you that um, for those guys, you know, it had very little impact on him. Those guys were just (laughs) So, so big. Um, yeah. Anyway. I so. heard many Andre stories. I'll, I'll share one of them real quick. Uh, Andre, when Hulk Hogan was like an up and coming, like rookie or whatever, he was touring Japan and he was on the the tour with Andre and they'd just take, you know, the bus everywhere and they'd ripped out like three or four rows of seats. So Andre could sit in the back and stretch out. And on, they'd go get like a couple cases of tall boys and Andre Hogan sat in the seat in front of him. And as the rookie, it was his job to let the bus driver know when Andre was getting low because they had a saying was that a sober Andre could get kind of grouchy. 
so they had the saying uh, a drunk giant is a happy giant so uh, so andre would would you know polish him off in like one or two swallows crush him in his hand and then fire him off the back of hogan's head and so they said when hogan got up to about 40 or so that he'd let the you know let the, the bus driver know they needed to find a liquor store and get Andre a couple more cases. And I just pictured like Hulk Hogan like just going, I got the shittiest job in the world just getting pegged by Andre beer cans <laughs> like every minute or two as they flew up the highway. Yeah, Andre, Andre is incredible. Well, I, I, my little Andre story, and, and for the life of me, I, I need to dig through the last few boxes of stuff from my childhood. But I was uh, – I was uh, – in high school, I was like a oh no eighth or ninth grader, maybe I guess, and I was in Kansas City at a at a youth conference, 4-H conference down there, and we stayed at the old Mulebach Hotel, and we had some kind of function. And when we came back to the hotel in this big old lobby, Andre the Giant was checking into the hotel, and I just like oh my god, and he really was bigger than what I ever imagined. Oh, and so I crept up behind him and i turned back to back behind him and I, and one of my friends took a picture of me standing back to back and you could see andre the giant all the way around me all the way around me i mean it was he was just this massive human when he would hold on to a 12 ounce beer can oh yeah you couldn't you couldn't see it and Those you know the tall boys <laughs> yeah and uh you know, it's uh, it, those big guys like that. Gary Albright was a heavyweight yeah. at Nebraska. He, I was there when he was there. Gary was a great guy. I met Gary when Gary was a senior in high school. I was wrestling out at the University of Montana. I was a freshman out there. And um, they brought Gary in on a recruiting trip to Montana. And it was just a courtesy. And it was only because. There were two guys from the same high school on our team that Gary had graduate was going to graduate from. And he just looked at it as an opportunity to come and party. And I'll never forget this. He was an 18 year old kid. He probably, he weighed north of 300 pounds then. Yeah. Um, and uh, 18 year old kid. And we were friends of ours had a, a trailer. They lived off campus in a trailer. And um, we were just kind of hanging out there waiting for, Gary and and uh, the, the couple of the other wrestlers there to show up, and in they come, and they had four cases of Rainier beer. They walked in with four cases of Rainier beer, and you know they kind of put two in their fridge. They put one down over kind of where we were sitting, and Gary had his own, and Gary just went and sat in a lazy boy, and he proceeded to drink the whole damn case of beer <laughs> right there. I mean, and he wasn't sharing. But it it was gone, and you know the other four or five of us, you know, we had three cases of beer, and we couldn't polish that off. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll tell I'll tell you this: if you want to enjoy, <laughs> and and I'm telling you what, it, parts of this just made me cry. Is the uh, they have a a video on YouTube, and it's all it's like to today cast members from the Princess Bride talking about uh, working and, and hanging out with Andre the Giant. And they just speak they just speak of him like this. Is, you can just tell they all love the guy to death. Um, it's, it, and God, what was it? Uh, his, his back was so, was in such horrible shape. It was, he made that movie, I think, before he got his, his back surgery. 
And so William Goldman, the screenwriter, had actually written the novel Princess Bride with Andre pictured for that, that part. And so, but he couldn't do any of these big strong guy things because his back was in such lousy shape. But uh, Wallace Shawn, he was the little bald guy who's like inconceivable. And you keep on using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Well, <laughs> he, in real life, he had just a crippling fear of heights. So, you know, they're not actually going up this like 600 foot cliff or whatever, but they are going to, you know, they are going to like, uh, tow, you know, they're going to make it look like Andre is climbing, but they're going to pull, they're going to pull him up like 10 or 20 feet. And Wallace, Sean, and there they are. They've got him kind of strapped to Andre, which you don't really see in the movie. And they start going off the ground and they said, Wallace, Sean just started like shaking uncontrollably. He didn't say anything, but he just started shaking uncontrollably because he was so frightened. And, uh, and they said, Andre felt him reached over, patted him on the head and just said, don't worry, I'll take care of you. And, and said that, and, and like and all of a sudden he said, he goes, and I wasn't afraid anymore. It's like yeah. a guy that size tells you. And they said well, that Andre loved hanging around with actors more than anything. Cause he said, he said, actors are just such creative, goofy people. Uh, they, and they, they loved him so much. And he said, he loved hanging around with them because here's, you know, this seven, five, 500 pound guy. And they, and, they just treated him like anybody else. They, they were all so weird in their own way. He just said he never felt more at home than with these guys. And the last one, uh, he, he would, he loved to drink all the, all the damn time. And he started taking, uh, Oh, who are these coast stars? Mandy Patankin and Carrie Elwes. He's Andre started taking those guys out drinking and drinking late. So he's rolling back with them at two or three in the morning. They got to get up at six in the morning to start shooting and and Rob Reiner like came up to him finally and begged him. He said the makeup people can't work with them. These guys are so shot, still half drunk. You're bringing them in. They look terrible. Please, 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 please get them home early or just don't go out. And not. And he's like, did patted him on the oh no problem. And then went drinking with him again because he didn't. Nobody told Andre <laughs> what he could or couldn't do. And if you watch the sword fight up at the top of the cliff there between Ellis and Patankin, you look at Patankin and some of the close ups. And that is a just ungodly hungover man. He is pale. Uh, he is sweating like crazy from his face, you know, more than he should be at a scene like that. And, I, and when I watched it again after that story, I'm like, Mandy Patankin filming this scene is just in pain right now. His head <laughs> is pounding. He's got the drunk sweats. And yeah, it, there's yeah. just so much stuff. But go, yeah, if you can, it, all you got to do is like, you know, Princess Bride cast Andre the Giant, and I'm telling you, it's funny, it's sad, it's it's really sweet. Um, just a couple more. It's, we're just a smidge over an hour. We're going to wrap it up here. But uh, Vince Watson says, does Nash plan on wrestling the entire season, or will spring ball start before it's over? Um, spring ball might start. It'll be close. They, I know they pushed the spring spring game back a little bit later this year. Um, but it kind of would depend upon how far he advances. I gotta think if if the agreement is that he joined the team as a member of the team, that the you know that uh, the football staff is going to allow him to complete the season. Um, but you know, I don't know for sure. There's who knows. Um, Nebraska is a more competitive wrestling team with him in the lineup. Um, he's only had the one match. Uh, Big Ten is the strongest wrestling conference out there. It'll be interesting, interesting to see. So, anyway, you know, 
I'll tell you what, we're going to wrap it up. Andy, hey, thanks for, for coming in tonight. It's always fun uh, hearing your stories and then listening to your perspective. And, and uh, you know, I'll tell you what, um, I'm going to put a little, a little uh, uh, foreshadowing here. Um, we will be announcing it a little bit later on, but uh, the staff of coordination is planning uh, to kind of to, to show up in Lincoln at a baseball game this year, and we'll get more details out. And Andy came down last year, and we had a blast uh, hanging out in the parking lot and at the game. Everybody, yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, once we start uh, getting dates out on this, we'd encourage you all maybe to mark it on your calendar, and if you can come down to Lincoln, John's talked about the Iowa Hawkeye series and doing it on one of those games, and and uh, it's. Uh, You'll find you'll find Andy a very entertaining gentleman to uh, have conversation with. So, with that being said, uh, we're going to call it good here. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, hopefully, John is uh, feeling a little bit better. Hopefully, he's on uh, tomorrow nights uh, or yeah, tomorrow nights. Uh, is today Wednesday? No, Tuesday. Today's Tuesday. The Thursday night. Hopefully, he's on the Thursday night podcast. So, well, um, if I may, hey, if I may, thanks for having me. I always have a blast here. Uh, and yeah, be, beware bringing up Andre the Giant because uh, there's a ton of those stories. <laughs> we can well, work him into Nebraska all you want. There you go. Well, hey, good night, Thanks Andy. Night, everybody.